But if you spend any time with kids, they will sooner or later get it in their head that they should play this trick on you. And as a foreigner not introduced into the culture, this is a surprising and shocking event in your transitional life and becoming part of the Japanese community. A kancho is when you take two fingers and steeple them, so you put your hands together, and then you try to sneak up behind someone, and you insert those two fingers as hard as you can into their butt, in the hopes of hitting their actual anus, causing them a certain amount of shock and discomfort as they jump and leap away from the immediate sexual assault they just felt. This is something that every foreigner gets to experience if they spend any time around kids. It's a weird thing because I have never run across another culture that is so fascinated with jamming their fingers up someone's butt. It happened to me once and the quick insertion of someone's fingers into my butt without some sort of declaration of intent caused me to turn around violently. Now, I am a big fan of watches. I wear a lot of heavy, big watches. And what happened was the child, who was only about half my size, was in the direct line of fire of my hand as I turned around and my watch collided with his face. So basically, this kid tried to do a concho on me. He was fairly successful, if I'm being honest. But for his efforts, what he received was a swift shot to the head by a big chunk of metal. Uh, but because it was completely unintentional, I didn't get in any trouble. And he went around and told anyone that if you stick your finger up grumpy Uncle Peter's butt, he's going to turn around and hit you really hard actually saved me a lot of pain and frustration through my time in dealing with children in Japan. What is the most uncomfortable thing in Japan? There are actually a bunch of really interesting answers to this question because it depends on you and who you are. I am a Canadian. I grew up in a very mild climate in the summertime. And for me, coming to Japan in September, which is actually just getting off the hottest time of the year, I thought I was going to die. I was incredibly uncomfortable. I found it difficult to eat. I found it difficult to sleep. And in about a week or two weeks, I lost about three or four kilos. An incredible amount of weight to lose just because of heat. So if you don't grow up in this country, the summers are shockingly hot and humid. But if you were, let's say, an American who grew up in the South, you might actually be used to this because it's not so different from what you've experienced in your life. I'm about six feet tall and in centimeters, that is 184 centimeters. Now I can tell you that the bars on the train are exactly 180 centimeters. And that's because for years I would walk directly into them. And because they are just high enough that they look like they're out of my line of vision, I thought I was walking under them and I would just ding the top of my head constantly. So now, even if I'm sure that the bar is too high, I will probably inadvertently duck just to be safe. What is uncomfortable for you will be different. It's gonna depend on what you grow up with and what you're used to. So some people I know who come from warmer climates actually find the winter in Japan very uncomfortable, whereas I think it's really mild, really easy to deal with, and honestly a bit of a joke because compared to the winters in Ontario, it's not even cold. So it's interesting. This is one of the benefits of going around to other countries. Go travel off to somewhere else, Find out what makes you uncomfortable, and then there are two things that can happen. One, you can adjust to it, you can acclimatize, or two, you can realize this is a horrible thing, and I'm going to leave. Core question, is it hard for Canadians to learn American English? And the answer is absolutely yes, and there's two factors that go into this. One, Canadians on average are of a lower intelligence than the American people. So the average American, let's say their IQ is 100, the average Canadian's IQ compared to that with no adjustments would be about four. 
And that's the first problem is Canadians are just dumb and stupid and ignorant and we hate them all. The second problem is there is no exposure of American English in, a, in Canada. They just don't get access to it. So there are no publications they can read that are printed in American English. There's no writing they can experience on a regular basis. They can't like turn on the TV and see American news with the ticker running across and the headlines and titles all being written in American English. Those are just not available to Canadians. And this is why Canadians just don't understand, cannot comprehend, cannot bend their minds around American English. A while back, I did an episode on cryptocurrencies. It was actually very popular. A lot of people came up and talked to me about it. I got some responses online. We talked about cryptocurrencies. Recently, Guy and I were talking about it, and he asked me if I'd invested in Bunnycoin, which was one of the new coin offerings that I talked about in that episode. No, I did not invest in Bunnycoin, and I have not heard about it since, which makes me think I made a good decision. Although I haven't looked into any of these coins that I actually talked about, sort of the weird ones or odd ones that were popping up. So I don't know if they've survived. I don't know if they're actually still going. So that's something maybe I can look into in the next couple of weeks and uh, get back to everyone as to whether or not Bunnycoin or Otacoin were good investment opportunities that I have missed and you because none of us actually bought any of them. But one of the interesting things that came about of the research for that article was strippers in Las Vegas doing a really interesting and smart thing. They were getting tattoos of the QR code they need to get tips and donations using Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or something like that. People who've actually visited the website who, where I host this podcast, Velocipeter.com, actually will notice a QR code and that's exactly what I'm talking about. So if, if you actually use your application, you can actually use that QR code to donate money to me in the podcast. I'm not actually asking you to do that. I was just putting it up as an experiment. I don't even know if I've put it up right, so it might not even work. But these women, these strippers, what they were doing was going and getting tattoos of the QR code they needed on their body. And then when a guy wanted to give them a tip, if they didn't have cash or they'd run out of money, they could actually use their smartphone and use the QR code and actually send them money. Guy and I were talking about how could this go wrong because it actually seems kind of foolproof. The donation of the money is almost instantaneous because once it goes on the blockchain, it just has to be verified and that can be done later in the evening. But there was one element, one source, one step where it could go wrong and it wouldn't last very long. This is one of the things Guy pointed out. It wouldn't have lasted very long as a scheme, but if you could do it right, maybe you could get enough money to escape, move on to the next city and pull this scam again. And it's the tattoo artist. Because what you do is instead of tattooing the QR code that the stripper wants, you tattoo your own QR code so that all the money comes to you. And then they go out for an evening or two evenings and they get their tips for the evening. You would want to pick the best strippers who are going to get the most money in one night. But if they're getting these guys plied with liquor and they're using Bitcoin, they're probably throwing Bitcoin around. You'll probably be able to snag quite a bit in one evening. You collect that money and you disappear because that's where the anonymity of the Bitcoin becomes a bit of a risk because there's no way to, for them to prove that I intended to give it to the stripper, but the QR code is wrong. So I ended up giving it to the wrong guy. As long as the girl can't catch you and sort of prove that you've given her the wrong tattoo, because I think they could cause some problems for you there you are basically safe because there's no link between the QR code, the actual transaction, and your account because that's all anonymous on the internet. So I'm not saying someone should do this, 
But what I am pointing out is if you give me a problem with criminal applications, I will put all my mental power into trying to find a way to commit a crime and get away with it. I'm not saying this is a perfect crime, but I think it is one of the best ones you could do with the tools at hand. The loss of the loss of podcast. The loss of podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast or go to VelociPeter.com slash podcast.